Hey everyone, Stephen Hurley from Voice Ed Radio with a special series of conversations for you. This is the Voice Ed Radio Spotlight series where we're highlighting the work, the passion, and the commitment of many of our creators here at Voice Ed Radio. It's a chance for you to hear what they're working on, their plans for the future, and uh, maybe a few surprises along the way. Welcome to the Voice Ed Radio Spotlight on Voice Ed Radio. That was the sultry sound of Stephen Hurley. Uh, And this is episode 10 of Outside the Classroom, and it's my final episode of season one. Um, I I love the fact that with these podcasts, I can arbitrarily decide how long a season is or what a season is. I just think 10 episodes is pretty good start with, and I will definitely be coming back with a second season uh, sometime, whenever that is. Um, And it's kind of significant that this is the 10th episode because 10 years ago, uh, I met Stephen and uh, I got to know Stephen and I got to know his passion for radio. And um, Canadian educators might be familiar with Stephen uh, as as the the founder and the creator of Voice Ed Radio. And uh, he does some pretty amazing stuff. So if you have not heard of him, you'll want to check out his work on Voice Ed Radio just a, a plethora of really interesting conversations and music and just uh, radio dedicated to education. And so it's my privilege to be able to sit down and chat with Stephen for uh, a short time. It definitely could have gone on a lot longer, but uh, trying to keep these uh, at, a, at, a consum- at a whatever a consumable uh, length is, but we hopefully we did that. And uh, you learn, I learned a lot about Stephen's background, his context, his love for radio, uh, why he thinks it's such a significant medium and uh, um, just grateful to know him and, and all that he does. So here's my conversation with Stephen Hurley. Well, everyone, this is this is the season finale of Outside the Classroom. And um, I've, I've enjoyed my nine uh, previous conversations with uh, such a variety of educators and uh, I had a few people that I was thinking about doing my 10th episode with, and then, uh, you know, as it sort of happens for me, names just sort of flood through my network, and it's like, Stephen Hurley? <laughs> yes, of course, Stephen Hurley. St- Stephen, why don't you begin by telling us um, just sort of the basics of the bio that you want to give, right. and then the second part of that question is how do you and I know each other? So just right. all about you and then maybe a little bit about us. Okay. The 10 is important in this story. Uh, so I am Stephen Hurley and I am a retired educator from uh, the Toronto area I taught for the same school district for over 30 years. And I say retired because to me, retirement has turned out to be uh, taking the old rubber off and putting new rubber on the wheels. And so you've got a new way of uh, getting around life. And uh, so within that 35, did I say 35? No, it's 30 years uh, with the Dufferin Peel District School Board, had a chance and loved the opportunity to, to do all sorts of different things. So I got into the habit of uh, writing my own job descriptions uh, every spring. And, and uh, for 10 years of that 30 years, I was able to do things uh, that didn't exist before I wrote the job description. And, and to me, that was, the, that was what kept me in teaching, the ability to kind of 
uh, be creative and imaginative and take that to a, a, a different level. But I, I, I tell people I loved every minute of my teaching career. There were a couple of minutes I didn't love, and that was usually uh, due to a Thursday night pub um, crawl uh, and trying to get in on Friday morning. But uh, the profession allowed me to to grow, to make mistakes, to correct those mistakes every Monday morning, and uh, to to go on. And uh, you know, it's interesting because education got into my blood. And uh, when it came time to retire, I had no desire to look away. And uh, so I, I did some work for the Canadian Education Association, now the EdCan Network, and uh, was across Canada a couple of times with them on facilitated uh, consultations. And uh, decided four and a half years ago this week, actually, uh, to start Voice Ed Radio, which is a uh, a combination of my love of radio and the sound of other people's voices and education. And uh, so we've grown over the past four and a half years. We met uh, the year before voiceed.ca actually began as a multi-author blog space out there in the, in the ether. And we met at uh, Unplugged uh, in Algonquin Park. Uh, and that, I believe that was 10 years ago, this summer, 2011. Yes. So that's why the 10 is important. So that was a that's gathering right. of 40 educators from across the country. And we had to apply to get there. And we had to uh, take a train up from Union Station in Toronto to get there and then walk into the park. And But it was um, a few days of, of imagining. And uh, you were actually uh, my group leader for that session. And uh, I think it was then that I, I told my story of my love of radio and uh, how it brought me joy. And that's where this whole thing began at that at 10 years ago, this summer up in uh, Algonquin Park with Dean Shrestie yeah, and a number of other people. Well, and, and that remains, uh, you know, perhaps, well, not perhaps, but I would say uh, definitively the best professional learning experience that I've had. And there were so many elements about that uh, that I've tried to rethink and recapture in other moments, right? The fact that we were in this really amazing space in nature and it was called Unplugged because here were, you know, 40 of the most plugged in educators at the time in Canada. Everybody was online and doing all kinds of stuff and we didn't have any access to that. And so it was just these just rich conversations that took place uh, on, 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 uh, Aronomic chairs on a beach, yeah. in a canoe, in cabins, over dinner, over uh, beers, over, it was just, it was just so, so wonderful. And, and you made quite the impression on me uh, during that time. And I remember writing a blog post about it shortly afterwards, because it was the way I remember it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that, that you because you knew you were kind of uh, closer to the end of your career, you'd begin, you begin thinking about this experience you had with radio and sort of your love of it and how you might rekindle this because it was something that was, it seemed like it was, had been there for a while. So can you just maybe talk about where did that come from? Like, what was your, where did, how do, why do you love radio? What's the thing? I, I was given by a Roman Catholic priest for uh, Christmas one year. I thought it was a box of chocolates. It was it was square, uh, rectangular. It was kind of heavy. I thought it was a box of uh, black magic chocolates. And I cut his grass, um, took care of the rectory, and and ended up being ended up being organist at the at the church for about forty years. But anyways, he gave me a transistor radio, and I remember going around my paper route with this thing plugged in, and I that's, it was the first time I became aware of 
the power and the intimacy of radio. Now we had to, we didn't have earbuds. We had those little thin earphones and you put a single ear and you plug it in. It was AM rock. And I remember listening to it. And that's when I uh, became enamored with radio. And I remember that was the summer that I phoned my very first radio station for the, uh, the first time to request a song. And I dialed and I dialed and I dialed and it was a rotary dial. And then it was during that hour of trying to get through that I realized that I could actually just push the button on the telephone, the, you know, the, um, where the, the just almost like Morse code and, and dial the number that way. So I started to do that, you know, anyways, finally got through and I heard my uh, song played on the radio and just said, this is magic. And uh, I had a grade five uh, teacher that year who put me in front of, we had an open concept classroom, uh, all of a sudden the, the world changed. We had open con concept classrooms and she gave me a cassette tape recorder and a record player. And she said, just go over there and create something. That was the sixties, right? And uh, that's what I did. And I, I remember now my memory says two weeks playing with the microphone and the tape recorder. It was probably like two days, but I remember that just captured my imagination. And I told my parents, I said, I wanna be on the radio. That's what I wanna do. And, uh, you know, I, t I tell the story that uh, when I went down to pick up the uh, Ryerson, uh, uh, the radio and television arts program at Ryerson, I, I was on my way down to pick up the application. They wouldn't let me go uh, because it was a polytechnic institute and their kids were going to go to universities. And so I didn't. I went to, um, I went to uh, study philosophy and uh, theology. I went to a seminary and then went to teacher's college. But you know, Dean, as you know, the, the things that make you happy, the things that bring you joy and always bring you joy. I mean, they, they, it never gets out of your system once it's in. So um, when, I, when I was, uh, I did some work at OISE uh, UT here in Toronto. I was an adjunct professor for three years on the pre-service program. And it was during that time that I started to write emails to the uh, program director at the major radio station here in Toronto, AM. It was an AM talk radio station. And I said, you need a show on education. And he refused. He refused for three years. And uh, I, I mean, there were a couple of moments of really tense moments where I actually went over his head to the owner of the station and the owner said yes, and then it didn't happen. But I was intent. I, there's, I said, this is what we need. This is what I want to do. I want to do like an education radio. I said, all I need is a half hour. I'll bring my own advertisers. And he says, it doesn't matter. It won't sell. And uh, and I said, well, the hell with that. So when I retired, as I had already had the voiceed.ca uh, 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 address. And I said, and it was, it was a spur of the moment thing. On a, uh, on a cold uh, winter evening, it was in between Christmas and New Year's. And I, now I, I missed the part, didn't I? I missed the part that unplugged. So you may not even want to get there. No, I, I mean, that was, again, I'm, I'm okay. building this up in my mind as that was a seminal moment for that you. And I don't know if it was, I just remember it being was. part of a conversation was that all of a sudden Steven's like, I've had this thing in my life for all this time. And I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I want to do it. I just want to yeah. do it. So that was the magic. Uh, we were sitting around the, the, the great room at Unplugged and Julia Forsyth was on one part of the room at, at, in one part of the room. Brian Jackson was in another part of the room and they had just become part of this thing called DS-106, um, yeah. Digital Storytelling 106, which is a, was a course out of Mary Washington University. And there were a lot of uh, you know, frontline forward thinking people involved in that whole thing. 
And it was a digital storytelling course. But part of that was uh, they had started a internet-based radio station to support some of the creative output uh, for that. And uh, so I told that story in the great room um, because I think we, we had, had to do some writing before we got there. And I shared that story. And Julia and Brian both admitted to looking at each other and saying, we need to tell them about DS-106. Uh, so DS-106 radio, I found out about on the Sunday and I did my first broadcast on DS-106 radio on the Monday I got home because I was so excited and I spent the whole summer and just it just became a thing. And I said, this, and that's what uh, years later inspired me to start Voice Ed Radio is that knowing that that technology was there and that the, you know, the line between uh, creative professional and audience is is sudden, suddenly broken uh, because we can do this and we can be both audience and and creator. I don't know about professional, but, you know, time will tell. Well, you know, when I think about, like when you talked about uh, your experience as a grade five student, and I think about, you know, how wonderful it is when teachers can create these moments for kids. And, you know, not everything's going to stick because there's probably another kid in your class that had the same experience. It just didn't, like, it just wasn't his thing, you know, and and, yeah. and there, nothing is for everybody. And the purpose of school isn't to figure, it, it's to create these opportunities for kids to figure out what their thing is and maybe for some of us it doesn't happen um but but that's the that's the the beauty of it when it when it does and when you introduce a kid to something like gary steger uses the line i love introducing to kids something that they don't know they already love right, right. you didn't know you already loved radio right. until until this uh, priest and teacher gave you an opportunity to love yeah. it but 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 my question is like go a little deeper into like Convince us, I guess. I don't know if the word is convince us, but tell us why. You, you touched on it a bit, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what is the magic here that that just appeals to you, that feeds you? It's seduction. You know, it's seduction. Uh, and I remember listening uh, to CHFI radio here in Toronto in high school. And this is where it really started to, to gel for me. Um, Charlotte O'Dell ran, ran a, um, a syndicated show here in Toronto where she would combine music, popular music, some classical, and uh, poetry and prose. So, so there'd be spoken word on a theme, and then she would weave in music. It was called Tapestry, and it was so seductive that I slept every night with Charlotte O'Dell under my pillow. I put my radio under, and that's how I went to sleep. And it was there when I switched over to FM radio that I realized there's something compelling about not just the human voice, but how the voice in a radio speaks just to you. Uh, it's, they're not talking, AM radio, you know, you, it's kind of loud and obnoxious sometimes, especially now since most AM stations are talk radio stations, but there's something about that FM uh, experience it was me and Charlotte. And I really believed that. And I felt that I had a relationship. And I said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the most confident kid uh, in social situations. I didn't play sports. I, I played the piano and, and uh, I mean, loved that and still, still do that. There was something about the dream of radio that said, I can have this relationship with people. And, you know, I, I've talked since uh, just recently, actually, with Valerie Geller, who is a, um, a radio consultant and, and did FM uh, uh, rock and, and other stations in, in New York and California. 
And uh, she's now consulting. She's coming uh, to Voice Ed Radio to do a workshop with us. And she said, you need to imagine that there's just one person. You're talking to one person, not an audience, one person. And, uh, and that, that captures it for me and still captures it for me. Um, whether I'm doing a podcast or whether I'm doing a live um, Saturday night music uh, show, it's one. And usually in internet radio, there is just one person listening. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes if you can get more than a, a few downloads on your podcast, I mean, you're you're a star, so you probably get three or four. Um, <laughs> that's right. Well, that's probably right. But you don't do it for that. You do it. No. Yeah. For the one one person, right? And right. That, and that's right. that's it. And and I don't know if that makes sense to to that does, anyone, but. Well, you know, and I think about, you think about great writers and how great writers make you feel like they're talking to you. Like I, I, I hadn't heard anybody put it that way, but I mean, I know what you're saying because the podcast that I listen to, you feel a connection to, to those people and, and they do make you feel like, you know, whether you're sitting in the living room with them or in there, wherever they are, right, you're with them. And so um, that's, that, that was a very eloquent way of, of describing that. And it helps people, uh, or it helps me and I think others sort of get what it is and, and I think everybody's had that experience like radio is a pretty universal uh idea and audio is obviously the, the human voices but through this medium has this this other ephemeral aspect yeah. to it and, and you know it's interesting with podcasting and some people will say that well that's just like radio and I I, I thought it was as well at one time and uh, because voice ed radio has a live radio stream and we can get a, a live go live at any time but I think what podcasting has done is that it has taken the broadcast concept where it's one to many and reestablished that one to one because most people don't listen to podcasts in groups. They don't right. get together on a Saturday night to listen to a podcast uh, like we used to do on the radio or our grandparents used to do on the radio. It's usually, you know, between the ears, really close. And, you know, when you talk to podcast producers, uh, the sound engineer types are really intent on getting that good sound between the ears because they realize that that's, that's what people, um, well, that's, that's what, whether people come for that or not, that's the experience, part of that experience. Right. Yeah. So, so tell me, what, did, what is it that you love about voice ed radio? And is there a story or a moment that, that really sort of maybe captures like, yeah, that's like, that was just such a cool moment. So just in general, what is it about voice ed and, and any particular moment that stands out? Well, the, the thing that stands out the most is that when I started voice ed radio, um, I had no desire to become a podcast network. I mean, there were two Canadian podcasts about education in Canada at the time, just two. We had them both. I mean, Derek Rodenizer, Roland Chidiak, uh, Shane Lawrence from Alberta came on, uh, you know, a, a little bit later, but I think to me, the dream um, was to to bring people back to the radio around something that should be important to all of us as Canadians, but I knew it was important to a lot of educators. Uh, and so that was the dream. It wasn't about podcasting. It was about that live broadcast uh, uh, experience. Uh, it hasn't turned out that way. And I guess that the story of Voice Ed Radio is that we have become a, a rather large podcast network, but... Um, and the, and the, and people don't come to, to radio to hear something they can get in on demand. Um, but we have had very good success with live broadcasts uh, around things that, that matter. So Kalinda Klein does a weekly uh, broadcast on, um, a, a, she does an anti-racist 
educator book study. And she's done seven in the first season since the pandemic began. And we can have upwards of 500, 600 live listeners, which on internet radio is pretty, pretty significant. Um, and then, you know, the doc on Saturday night, you know, I'll get 12 people, most of them family members listening in. Uh, but the real, the real value and the real story for me in Voice Ed Radio is the community that's built around it. Um, there are people here that would not have met each other if it weren't for uh, that experience, that, that supportive community, not only in starting a podcast or doing a live broadcast, but just in, in that professional learning journey. Uh, so a lot of people have met, uh, you know, through Voice Ed Radio, uh, found each other on Twitter as well. Sometimes it'll happen in the opposite way. But there's a community that is built here that uh, I think is really special, unintended, uh, unintentional, accidental community. And I would not trade that for the world, no matter what happens with Voice Ed. Um, I have some, some pretty strong friendships that have developed uh, because of it. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Derek Rodenizer. Derek Rodenizer, I'd never met face to face. Uh, we connected on Voice Ed Radio. He came down in the first year of our existence. He was the first person to stay in the Murphy bed in my uh, newly renovated uh, basement. I'd never met him. My wife said, who was coming? to stay in our house, Derek, oh, you know, Derek. So, so it's, it's kind of this really neat, um, really neat connection that's, that's grown up uh, around it. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the beliefs when I started it was that if we can change the way people talk about education, then that's a good step to changing education. I don't think we've changed education that much. Um, you know, nothing that's happened here has, has really rocked that boat. But I think we've changed the way people are talking about education. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to interview some pretty neat people. Uh, and the, the stories that I, I, I point to the most are the people that wouldn't normally have a voice. You know, teachers who you contact and say, why would you want to talk to me? I want to talk to you because you're in the classroom and you're living this stuff that we're, you know, talking about at a 30,000 foot level. You're living it every day. I want to talk to you because you're an education worker and you deal with those special education students every day. I want to talk to you because you're the caretaker. And we know that the secretaries and the caretakers in a school are the most important people when you first get there. Um, you know, they keep that place buzzing. Um, so that's, that's cool. And, and I've had the, uh, the opportunity to talk to people like David Frum and Bob Ray. Uh, and uh, those are, those are cool. One thing I will say is that the, the conversations that I've had that I anticipated being, you know, the most exciting, vibrant conversations, because the person had some some um, status, not always true. Not always true. Some of those those people that you would pass by in the hallway in a school, uh, on your way to see someone else, that turn out to be the have some pretty interesting things to say. Yeah. Well, and and again, I think uh, kudos to you for for your. Um tenacity and staying with it and kind of creating, uh, you know, something to really be proud of with Voice Ed Radio. And it's something I, I think, you know, those of us who are aware of it understand uh, that it's been doing some good work. So I, I, I commend you on that one. My my last question to you and, and last question, given that, that's it. What's that? That's it. Your last question. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we, I'm trying to my goal is to always try to keep these like, unlike you, where you have 
just oodles of time for whatever reason i've arbitrarily sort of decided on a, a 15 to 20 minute window okay. uh, i don't know why that is that's just the way <laughs> maybe for editing purposes i don't know but um i always ask people and again you might you might the answer might be nothing and and it's kind of odd in your situation because you're talking about education you've been an educator but i always ask people what is it or has your passion in this case we'll just talk about radio influenced you as an educator now again i know uh, maybe in this case i want you to maybe go back to when you were in the classroom when you weren't doing voice ed radio but you still loved radio what how did how did your love of radio maybe and the answer may be nothing it didn't translate at all to my educator that they were two separate things or maybe it did that's my question did it impact you as an educator yeah it did um the answer is definitely yes and i can i can point to two sort of strands to the yes and one is the fact that i was able to to recognize uh, some of that passion in, in other kids, whether, and it may not have been radio, but it may have been media yeah. in, in some way. It, it's easy to pick up. It's easy because they're, uh, they're there uh, with their, their podcast or media piece at seven 30 in the morning and saying, well, school doesn't start till nine, but I wanted to work on this. I need to get in and work on it. There used to be uh, a time you will remember where kids had to come to school to get the technology they wanted to use. And now they have to get out of school to, you know, to, to do that, it's kind of a strange um, irony. Um, but the for me, there were very few schools or classrooms uh, that I was in where I didn't uh, do my best to get a radio station up and running. Whether it was just you know between a few classrooms at lunchtime or on the PA system, it was always something on my mind. And and uh, um, you know I didn't I knew that I I couldn't develop a radio station per se, but it was always something that I wanted to introduce. And now the, um, the uh, school that my kids go to up the street contacted me last year and they said, we want to set up, guess what, this is, guess what they said? They didn't say a podcasting studio. They wanted to set up a radio station. And I said, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> and so they did. So, so I think uh, those two ways, you recognize things, your, your antenna are up, uh, pardon the pun, in a different way. Um, and then you look for opportunities to, and I think that's what teaching has been about for me. Uh, and I hope it continues to be about this for other people where it's a place where they can not only bring out the passions in kids, but can live, live out the, the passions that they have, whether it's athletics or, or music or, you know, something that, that really speaks to their heart. It's gotta be, that's, that's a key to the wellness in our schools these days. Uh, absolutely. Well said. Well, Thank you so much, Stephen. This was a delight to speak with you, and uh, I'm I'm just always excited about the work that you're doing and, and the, the contributions you do make to Canadian education and education beyond Canada as well. So uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking time to share with me, and uh, we hope our paths cross again soon. Over a nice IPA. There you go. All right. Thanks for this. Thank you.